Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook with Brent Pasqua, Matthew Thiel, and Joshua Winterswike from RPA Wealth Management. In this podcast, we cover current events, retirement planning strategies, and provide you with the tools to help you build a successful retirement playbook in any political or financial landscape. Join Brent, Matthew, and Joshua as they navigate the issues that can make the later stages of your retirement plan challenging and help you create the best retirement plan playbook. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to the Retirement Plan Playbook. We are back. Well, I should say we're almost back. So we wanted to update all the listeners on what's really been going on with the show and wanted to let everybody know that we've been working on bringing in a new podcast team uh, to help support the show, to, to make it better. And we spent the last few months prepping it and we're almost done, ready to get the show out. Uh, there's going to be a lot of changes to the show that I think most people will probably enjoy. Um, you'll start to soon start hearing a lot of those new updates. Um, you'll have a few shows with a host. You'll have some shows with a guest. You'll have shows with just the three of us. But we're definitely working to make the show as best as, as we can and bring you know the content that the listeners want to hear. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, we, we have a podcast team now around us with Eric and Rebecca uh, who, who are working remotely, but their goal is to make our show better. And, um, you know, I'm, I miss podcasting with you guys. I'm happy. we got the mics going. It's turned on. We're recording right now. Uh, I'm ready to do a show. It's been a little while. I'm ready. I'm back. Matt, did you land us a sponsor yet? We haven't landed a sponsor, but I would love one. Um, you know, anybody wants to reach out, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, sponsor the show. Um, that'd be great. I think we can put some like sponsors in here, right? Like to act like we have some like big sponsors. I mean, Collaborative Tax Partners would probably uh, happily sponsor our show. Yeah, which is our sister company for a tax company. So I guess let's get in uh, to the show. So a lot has happened since we had last been on here. And we wanted to kick off the show with some of, you know, the new hot take headlines. And there's been a lot going on right now with Elon Musk and Twitter, and it's been a big story in the news. What's happening with that whole situation? Yeah, so this, is a, this is a pretty interesting story. Um, <clears throat> so a couple of weeks back, Musk announced that he owns 9% of Twitter stock. And so he purchased this in the open market, just like any of us would, would go purchase a stock, and he got his ownership stake up to 9%. Uh, once this was announced and filed, the Twitter board offered him a seat on their board of directors. He at first accepted it, and then he thought about it a little longer over the weekend and rejected the board seat. Why this is important is because when he was a board member, he wouldn't have been able to buy the whole company. You're limited to what, like 15% ownership? Yeah, he, he, his ownership stake would have been limited. So he rejected it. And then a few days later, he offered to take Twitter private at $54.20 a share or $43 billion. So he announced this, the stock went up. And a few days later, Twitter's board enacted a poison pill. And the way this works is it dilutes Musk's share of stock if he gets over a certain percentage. So then he can't buy enough stock to actually take the company public. So it's basically just a strategy from the business to try to stop him from buying the company. Exactly, exactly. And so then what happened was Musk announced via, of course, Twitter, because that's how Musk does his business, <laughs> that he was thinking of uh, doing a tender offer 
for Twitter shares. And, and what that would mean in you know the simplest way is that all Twitter shareholders would get to a vote if they want Musk to take the company public at 50, private, excuse me, at $54.20 a share. And, and that's where we are today. Um, as of recording, um, yeah, Musk is trying to buy Twitter. Now, didn't the Vanguard group come in and buy a bunch of shares to try to dilute the shares? And, and do you know what happened with that? I, I didn't, but Vanguard's, you know, they're a passive ETF firm. So they're, they're most likely just buying the shares to fulfill their requirements in their ETFs. Yeah, I, d- I don't know much about the Vanguard um, purchase either. It, this story has seemed to get political, though, too. It's like taking on all these different elements, right? <laughs> like it's not just trying to fix Twitter, but then it's like censorship. And now it's like taking on all these other arms that you're hearing a lot about. And everyone's speculating on like why Elon Musk really is doing this. And is he really wanting to move forward with this purchase? And then it becomes political, like you said. <laughs> I, I thought the... Uh... Funniest thing was, you know, I saw a bunch of tweets and memes and um, even articles in like well-respected publications. Uh, you know, I'm talking like Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, Axios, like some of the top business publications that said, evil billionaire Musk tries to take Twitter private. <laughs> and it's like, well, every media company is owned by a billionaire. Like, yeah, name me a, a media company that is not owned by a billionaire. You can't. Jeff Bezos, Bloomberg. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. He just doesn't have one yet. <laughs> well, what's interesting is this guy is, Elon's going to pretty much own the roads. He's going to own the sky. And now he's going to own communication, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, the guy's amazing. Yeah, he's a very intelligent, brilliant mind. Uh, the Fed Reserves uh, are raising interest rates. And they raised them in March. Uh, there's potential that they're going to be raising them again in May. Uh, what's going on with the federal interest rates and why do they plan to keep raising rates? Yeah, so we've been talking about this on our previous shows. Um, you know, earlier this year, I think in January and February, we were talking about how the Fed was, was planning on raising rates. They finally did it in March. They raised them um, a quarter basis point, which is 0.25%. Now the rumor is coming up at their next meeting, they might do 0.5%, which would be 50 basis points, which is a pretty big hike. It would be... Um, I wouldn't call it extraordinary, but it doesn't happen all the time. They usually um, raise in what they call um, quarter basis points, which will be 0.25 of a percent. Um, And what's going on is we talked about it a few shows ago. There's an election going on uh, this year. The Democrats are in huge trouble. The inflation numbers are high. Everybody knows it. Uh, They're polling very, very poorly. The president's approval rating is lower than Donald Trump's ever was. and They've directed the Federal Reserve to get inflation under control, and that's their only mission right now. So they're going to keep raising rates until inflation's under control. And that's the the Fed's most powerful tool is to raise rates, especially when we see inflation where it's at now over eight percent. So you know who is this really, really bad for? Is borrowers, personal borrowers, business borrowers. You know, and the hope is to really contract the money supply and slow down all of the the growth that we had i mean weren't they trying to stop the feds from raising interest rates like a year and a half ago and the previous administration was trying to prevent them from raising interest rates yeah because it slows the economy um but it's kind of like a catch-22 right so when the economy is slow they're going to cut interest rates because they want to get money moving but when the economy is really hot and you have big inflation like we have right now then you raise interest rates to pull money out of the market. Um, and right now, 
the best thing, you know, for this administration based on the data they're seeing in polls is to get inflation under control. That's really their only hope. Yeah, it's like they're like, don't raise them. Wait, no, no, let's raise them. Raise them. No, don't raise them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just seems like inflation is just such a big topic amongst so many people. So like this hot take headline is like polarizing because everybody's talking about inflation and raising interest rates has so many different effects. This has just become a, a huge story for everybody. Yeah, it'll be interesting what happens now for the for May and then the rest of the year because it seems like this issue is not going away anytime soon. And rates are going up. <laughs> so Yeah, continuing to climb. All right, so let's get into the retirement planning corner. Uh, it's been a while since we last talked, and some of the things that we had talked about that we've already kind of touched on is inflation and the economy since last year. Um, today's show, we want to talk about the looming recession and what it actually means to retirees. Uh, the confrontation are, is creating volatility and speculation in our markets about really what it is um, that can possibly happen and, and how do we combat some of these things. I think a lot of things that is really concerning for a lot of people right now is how is this recession going to impact them? What does a recession actually mean? How long will it last? And you know, if you're thinking about retiring in the next two, five, seven years, is this going to impact you? And if you're younger, like how do you take advantage of a recession? So we want to get into all of those. A lot of people are asking those questions, so we're going to answer them today. And the first you know, thing I think we need to first define uh, and Josh, you can answer this, is what is a recession? Yeah, great question. And a recession is defined as two negative quarters of GDP growth. And I think we should define GDP for people because it's a, kind of a complex calculation. I know we could probably hear it on the news or when you're reading the newspaper. Um, but it's essentially how economists measure growth in an economy. And if GDP growth is growing, that means the economy is doing good. And if it's contracting, that means the economy is doing poor. So kind of think of it like a stock. Like if it's growing, the business is doing well. If it's contracting, the business is probably doing poorly. Um, therefore, when we look at the economy, uh, a recession is when the economy is literally contracting and getting smaller. So are we uh, in a recession right now or are we heading into the recession? No, we're not in a recession right now. And... Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure if we are heading into a recession. I mean, some of the indicators are there pointing that we are. Um, that said, this would be the most talked about recession. Uh, the mo like, if you look at recessions, they're usually not talked about like this one. Mm. So it's like everybody's predicting we're going to go into a recession. Um, I, I'm not sure it's actually going to happen. And just to note, I mean, 2020, we were technically in a recession. And... Now we're, we have so much buildup um, about so many economic indicators suggesting that we're headed into the recession. But I think it's a really good point that you guys make that we're actually not in one yet, even though everybody's talking about it. So let's assume either we go into a recession or we, you know, we're tweet tittering that line of kind of being in there. Like how long does a recession typically last? That's a great question, too. So since World War II, the average recession has lasted about 11 months. And so what does that actually mean? I mean, if it lasts 11 months, like what happens before that? What happens after? Well, now then we're no longer in that negative um, measurement of growth within our economy. Now we've exited the negative growth and we're back to actually growing and it becomes positive. So we've actually exited that technical term of recession. 
So I've been in this industry now since the early 2000s. <laughs> I, I like to consider myself a gray beard. Um, <laughs> and the thing about recessions is when you're in them, you usually don't know it. And by the time you're out of it, you still think you're in a recession. Uh, it, it's usually re- the, the economic data lags by months. And so all these people who try and predict recessions and say we're going into one or, you know, say we're still in one when we're really not. I mean, they're really just making it up. Um, you know, we'll see it if it's like 2008. You could tell 2008, but most likely this is not going to be like 2008. It'll be small. You won't even really notice it and we'll be out of it before you know it. I think you make a great point, though, is that like even heading into a recession, we don't know exactly how long it's going to be. We don't know how big it's going to be as far as like negative percentage points. So again, like you said, it could be a really small recession and we're in and out of it before we even know it. Um, Or it could be longer and and larger. But again, it seems like there's a lot of news and media suggesting that it's for certain and they know what's going to happen. But we know that that's not really true. So can the recession actually impact people worse in the actual stock market, or if the recession's bad, does it impact them more on their spending and their income, expenses, things like that? It's a great question. It can be both, right? I mean, so if you have a stock account and the market crashes a lot from here, yeah, you're going to get impacted there. But I mean, maybe you lose your job too, and then you lose your paycheck, and then you're paying more for goods. So now it's costing you more to live. So it can impact people everywhere. Um, but the stock market doesn't have to crash for there to be a recession. And just like a stock market crash doesn't mean that there will be a recession. And I feel like things are still so expensive. You know, if you want to do a house remodel right now, you're still paying a high price. You want to buy a house, you're still paying a high price. I feel like the cost of goods, obviously, with inflation is really, really high. It really doesn't feel like we're in recession. Is it just because the economy and the stock market is kind of ahead of all of that, and people aren't feeling it yet? Um, I think we're kind of seeing many recessions. Like if you look across technology, I kind of think technology's in a recession. Um, we've seen a lot of the technology stocks do really, really poorly, especially some of the big winners from um, the COVID era have really poor performance. So to name three, Peloton, Zoom, and um, Netflix are struggling to kind of adapt. And then we see other companies like airlines and hotel trains doing really, really well. Business is booming over there. Um, so I think it's possible we might have many recessions on a big recession. My view too is that like not all recessions are created equal and not all recessions affect every demographic in, in America. Um, and also like over the last two years, through the pandemic, a lot of people paid down a lot of debt. They, you know, increased their savings accounts. They put themselves into better financial situation because maybe they were even forced to because of quarantine and locking down and everything else. So you're not seeing like the typical recession behavior of everyone slowing down spending. I mean, even just look at the housing markets, like it's still booming with tons of buyers out there, right? Okay. And you would think that, you know, recession looming, that spending would slow down and it's really not. You should see my credit card bill. There's definitely not a recession right there. It seems like just everything's so expensive. I agree. I agree. So we know that there can be different causes of recessions, right? So what are those causes and what's causing this recession? That's a great question, Brent. So I looked it up and there is literally 
no uh, like consensus answer from economists on what causes a recession. I, and I really think an economist's job is just to sit around all day and make, make things up. Like that's literally what these guys do. Make something up, make it sound smart, and then go on TV and talk about it. And they, they live in like the probability between 15 and 45%. The probability is never over 50%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but usually around the time we get a recession, there's been some kind of shock that nobody saw coming. So for instance, the 2020 recession, that was COVID, right? In 2008, there was a housing bubble that burst, but the part that nobody saw coming was that all of these different Wall Street banks had a bunch of bad debts that caused the recession. Yeah. Um, and then in 2000, it was the internet stock bubble, right? That, that burst, a bunch of money came out of the economy, stock market crashed, a bunch of people lost their high tech jobs. And we were in, a, then there was 9-11 that followed shortly after that, and we were in a big recession. So, I mean, it, it really seems like there's some kind of shock to the system. I'd say if there's one this time, it would probably be inflation. That's what would have caused this recession is the inflation shock. That we're in. So is really the foundation of that, though, being COVID? I mean, did COVID really kick all this off, right? Because if COVID didn't happen, then we probably wouldn't be in the inflationary period we were in. That's correct, yeah. I just think that, like, a, a lot of people are always looking for, like, the one variable that's going to, you know, break the house down. But it isn't, right? We can see there's a lot of different variables that formulate what we're going through today. And I think that that's why, you know, kind of just to piggyback Matt's point is no one really knows exactly or can predict exactly why that's going to happen. You know who's not in a recession right now is the oil companies. Oh, booming. I know they're doing really, really well. Um, so what's going on in today's environments that's making people think we are heading in a recession? Because I feel like there's a lot of like nervousness out there. There's a lot of jitters. People are scared to be in the market right now. It doesn't feel healthy. The economy doesn't feel healthy. I feel like everyone's kind of like on financial edge. Yeah, I think it's a lot of kind of what we've been through in the last two years. Um, you know, the government told us to stay away and, and not talk to anybody for, what, year and a half, two years. Like, don't go outside. You're going to get sick and die, yeah. which kind of messed with a lot of people's psyche. Um, and then, you know, once we all started doing things, we realized, oh, wow, the cost of everything's going up. Um, and that hurts people. It hurts to spend more for gas. It hurts to spend more for an airline ticket. It hurts to spend more on food prices. And then we have these shocks going on like the you know, Russia-Ukraine war, which is impacting the price of a lot of commodities. And as those go up, what economists are, are saying is, okay, the prices for wheat are going higher or oil are going higher because of this war. That's eventually going to get passed down to consumers and hurt them even more. Um, from there, that kind of causes the stock market to start dropping. That's what we've seen this year is a stock market that's dropping. And then we have the Federal Reserve who um, really for the first time in my career and probably you know, most people's career doesn't care about the stock market anymore. Usually they care that the stock market's going up. That's what they want. But now the stated goal is to get inflation under control and they're going to raise interest rates until inflation's under control. They don't, you know, really care about stock market performance it's, right now. It's not their primary focus right now. Exactly. And it seems like the market does not like to have uh, rapid inflation and rapid raising interest rates. Like, it's okay if it's, like, slow and consistent, right? But to have it spike in such a fashion, it seems like it's very shocking. There's just a bunch of new uncertainties, right? Like that we haven't really dealt with. We haven't dealt with this type of inflation in a while, which we've seen it before in our, our nation's history, but haven't dealt with it. 
the rising of interest rates at this type of rate we haven't. So, you know, change and this new uncertainty has just created a lot of nervousness, like you said, created stock market volatility. Um, and I think that we're adapting to kind of what's new and going to be here for a little while. So we did a sh our last show was in February. When we did that show, the 30-year mortgage rate was around 3.5%. Today, it's over 5%. Yeah. I mean, that's how much interest rates have gone up in the last two months. And it's going higher. Right. Yeah, that's bonkers. Not slowing down a lot of buyers, though. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's probably cutting some out. And that kind of leads to my next thought, and, and that's what most people are asking, and that's how does the recession impact them? Times become more, a little bit more difficult. And again, every recession doesn't affect everyone the same. We have to know that. But again, with tighter money supply, like Matt said, you know, it can lead to unemployment. It can lead to um, you know, lower or use of more of your existing funds because of loss of employment or income. It affects businesses, especially with interest rates going up, um, with growth, right? There might be slower growth within businesses, meaning also might not be getting that raise as well. There's just less money flowing through our economy. Um, so everyone's different, but those are just a few of, uh, you know, how they can impact you. But it, again, it's not going to impact everybody the same. Yeah, look at the 2020 recession. If you were what they call now call a knowledge worker, someone who could, you know, work remotely via Zoom, you log in at the computer, you Slack with your, co your coworkers, the 2020 recession didn't impact you at all. Actually, you probably came out ahead because you stopped spending money and you got stimulus checks. But that recession was really, really tough on people who worked in you know, the service side industry, hotels, airlines, restaurants. A lot of people lost their businesses during that time, and it was really, really sad. Um, so we don't know what sector of the economy the, inflation is, uh, the recession is going to hit. Because I feel like restaurants could be right in target for this to affect them just as much, right? Because if people are spending... X amount of dollars more on gas, like there's less money to go out to dinner now. Yeah, and a lot of times, like that's where people d cut their discretionary spending is going out, right? Entertainment, dining out. So who's going to be affected? Those types of businesses. I'm actually going out to dinner more now than I did during COVID, but it's only because the fees on DoorDash are so high. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like literally, like. I could go out, have a couple cocktails with, with my wife, have a nice dinner, and it's cheaper than ordering the food in from DoorDash and making cocktails at home. It's crazy. So what you're saying is your $15 burrito on DoorDash actually ends up costing you 60 bucks? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not one of my R RPA recommends. Is not, uh, it, I wouldn't use DoorDash. Or, I mean, it just to me, the cost is just way too high in those services. Right. Um, so my theory right now is, you, look, we're heading into the summer months. Everybody wants to travel. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to book a trip somewhere. They probably haven't traveled in a couple of years. And if they did, it wasn't their ideal trip. And you see a bunch of people take their ideal trips this summer. And then by the fall, they're going to be cutting everything. They're going to cut expenses. They're going to pay down those credit card bills. They're going to sell those motorhomes they bought in 2020 that cost, uh, you know, an arm and a leg to fill up with gas. So I guess then another question I would have is how do people take advantage of the recession? Is there a way to take advantage of this situation? I think first, before we even like look at opportunity is like, now's a good time. when we always talk about like doing stuff proactively, but now's a good time to prioritize that spending too, right? Like if we're going to get prepared for a potential recession and things to get more difficult or tougher, 
now's probably a good time to revisit like what's most important and where you're spending your money. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And then um, as of what to take advantage of, there's lots of opportunities in recession. You know, you're looking for a new TV, probably going to get 50% off. Um, golf clubs, usually 50% off during a recession. So like, any kind of good usually drops in price, right? So it, not now, but wait a little bit longer. Yeah, wait a little longer. I mean, if we actually get a recession, who knows, right? Mm. Yeah, that's um, to be seen. Stock market, stock market drops. Who doesn't want to buy stocks cheaper than they are today? I know I do because it makes my expected return higher. Um, so we have a good opportunity to buy stocks. Um, you know, maybe housing prices decline a little bit and you could get that dream house you want. I mean, but probably not with rates at 5% if you're locked in at three. Um, but essentially what it does is it creates opportunities for you um, to set yourself up better for the next, you know, bull run. And one thing I said, I think on the last show too, was um, if you do have a little extra capital right now and you could spare a little bit more of your paycheck, I mean, increase your 401k contributions to the front end of this year, front half of this year, as we know, you know, the market's down pretty significantly throughout Mm -hmm. this year so far. Yep. Great tip. Great great reminder. Uh, For somebody who is thinking about retiring either this year, next year, maybe three years, maybe even five years, is now a good time? That's a great question. Um, You know, it depends. Depends what your plan is. Depends how you're set up. And if you don't have a plan, I think now's a really good time to get that plan. Because here's what you don't want to happen is you don't want to roll into work one Monday and you're kind of looking around and your office is quiet. And let's say you're, you know, you're 61, 62, 63 years old and your boss calls you into his office and he hands you, he hands you the slip. That's it. Unfortunately, your career is most likely over based on your age. And I think that's what planning allows you to do though, is to not be forced into a decision, right? Like is a good time to retire? Well, you have to ask yourself, like, is it a good time for you individually with your situation? Like, sure, it might not be ideal because stock prices are a little less than they were, you know, six months ago or we're potentially heading into a recession. But were you prepared six months ago? Will you be prepared six months from now? And really asking yourself, like, is this a good time for you? Are you prepared more so than like what's going on with past economic data or future predictions of where our economy is going. Yeah. You want to control your own retirement. You don't want someone else to control it for you. Yeah. And it starts, it starts with putting a plan in place and meeting with professionals who can help guide you to and through retirement. I think it's hard to not to be emotional during this time because there's so many looming concerns. And then if you're thinking about, okay, well, I need to, you know, have distributions from my retirement accounts and in retirement so that I can maintain my lifestyle. And it's hard not to try to say, okay, well, maybe I should just go to cash for a while, but then you don't know when to go back in. You're concerned about what the market would do. But then you also need to think about your time horizon, not just to get you to retirement, but you got to think of the time horizon to get you through retirement. So you don't want to think of just a short time horizon. You don't want to be in cash, but you don't want to take all the risk in the market. The only way to solve that is by doing proper planning. Exactly. I mean, you make a great point. Your retirement, if you're healthy, is going to be 20 plus years. So that's 20 plus years of your life that you need your retirement savings to last you. You need a plan in place. Yeah. And if you even go back to our, our statistic, recessions last on average 11 months. I mean, 11 months is nothing when you're planning for 20 years. Yeah. Plus, we, for, we forgot to mention that recessions happen um, every once in every five years. Yeah. They're going to happen. It's going to happen again. <laughs> yeah. So you're probably going to get two or three in your retirement. You shouldn't let the recession impact you. But like, you know, we're all saying, get, get a plan, put a plan in place, have an idea. Right. I agree. 
Um, okay, so let's get into the RPA recommends. It's really, you know, I think we should all have some really good recommends on deck because it's been a while since we've done them. Uh, Josh, why don't you kick us off? Oh, man, I'm going to really, uh, a lot of pressure for a really good recommends here. But I will just start with um, what we're watching. So me and my wife uh, have been watching Seinfeld on Netflix. Have you, either of you guys watched Seinfeld? I've probably seen, you know, maybe an episode here or there, but I've never watched the full series. Yeah, I've never seen the whole series. Okay, so, like, we never had really watched it, my wife or I. Uh, it came on Netflix, I think, what, in the last year? It's new to Netflix. Yeah, it's new. So um, we've just started from the beginning and watching them, and they're, like, you know, like 20-minute episodes. Um, but super funny. I had watched a couple, like, here and there. Um, but we're having a great time, like going back and watching it. And then it's kind of dated, right? Like it aired, what, 20 years ago? Um, so like to go back and see what they're talking about then and, and kind of reminisce and stuff like that. So just a good, like feel funny, good, feel good show to, to watch um, that's back on Netflix that we didn't watch when it originally aired. So. It's early 90s based, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. So uh, just like even like their fashion, hair, like it's. It's cool to just kind of go back and watch, um, but really funny. Yeah. So uh, my recommend is another TV show. So I've been playing around a little bit with Apple TV Plus. Um, if you don't have it, I think if you buy an Apple product, you get it for free. Um, but I've been watching We Crashed, the show on WeWork. Really good show. I really like it. Um, Who's the actors in that show? It's Jared Leto and uh, Anne Hathaway are the two stars. They do a really good job. Um, but basically the show is about, you know, the rise and fall of WeWork, the co-working space. Um, wonderful show really talks about kind of the excess of the, let's call it the 2010s and then leading up to the crash of WeWork in 2019. Uh, great show. Highly recommend it. Uh, my recommend is trailing your guys' recommend for the last, uh, I don't know, two years of recommends that you guys have been giving. Because you guys were big golf guys for a while, and then you guys had kids, and now you guys are small golf guys. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but, Hold on. I'm still golfing. But, but with all of this, uh, I've been forced to get into golf. I actually played yeah. a couple. Of, I've been uh, playing a couple rounds with you guys here and there. And I need a new golf bag. And uh, there's a golf brand called Vessel. That's absolutely incredible. They make really, really nice stuff, both backpacks and duffel bags and... Um, golf bags and and so i i bought one of those i really really like it i might not play very well but you know at least i look somewhat decent with your, it. your bag looks great yeah you are a big golf guy because i mean you you committed our company to two um you know corporate um, golf tournaments this year which is you know we've been working together for 10 years the first time in the company history yeah so. yeah we're we're committed uh we have a couple of golf tournaments coming up. Yeah. You were fighting the golf thing for a long time. A long I'm, really, time. I'm really happy you're, you're kind of starting this golf journey. But your bag looks great. Yeah, yeah. I felt the pressure. You look so. good out there. Your outfit was on really nice. Yeah. So uh, we're happy to be back. We're excited to bring you more consistent and continuous content. Uh, I don't know that it'll be just consistent just yet, but it's coming. We'll be back here very, very soon. And uh, you guys all know why we do this. Uh, as advisors, we, we truly do love helping people, and that's why we do it. Uh, you can also check out our new and improved website, rpawealth.com. You can also check out our ebook on our website. And on there, you can also get the retirement plan playbook that gives you all the financial steps that you should take if you're 10 years, five years, or a year out from retirement. 
You can also get information on how to manage your first year of retirement, uh, plus all, uh, different case studies that are on there. If you'd ever like to schedule an appointment with us, please go to rpawealth.com and schedule a complimentary consultation. And, and as always, thanks for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. Click the following button to be notified when new episodes become available. To get in touch with our team, call us at 909-296-7977 or visit our website at www.rpawealth.com to schedule a complimentary consultation. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RPA Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.